Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And my guest today is Giogo Nogueira, who is the Emmy Award-winning author of Halls of the Blood King and quite a lot of other things as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I try not to, to stop for a long time. I, I always say that creative work is like being a shark. Like if you stop swimming, you can draw. So you have always to be working on something to not let the, your, your grinds rust, you know? Oh yeah, that's that's very true. I, I I've spent most of my life doing some kind of illustration or art, and I definitely I I haven't draw, drawn the amount that I used to. And the, whenever I start slacking, I start slacking, and it's obvious. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. So you've been cranking a lot of stuff out over the last, I think you said since 2016 or something like that is when you started putting books out. Yeah, I started at the end of. 2016, publishing Sharp Sword and Sinister Spells. And I usually do like one or two of my own personal projects each year. And as, as the time progressed and, and people started noticing what I was doing, I started working with other uh, creators, which is, which is fantastic. And I always feel like I'm, I'm part of something greater than myself, you know? So I, I love working with other people like in bigger projects. And I ha- hopefully I can do something big of my own and, and invite some of, some of the great creators I've I've got to know over this past six years, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like, yeah. It was 2016. It's 2022. No, I can't even yeah. believe it's been that. Long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and for me, like anything uh, before the the pandemic, since like 10 years ago, you know, it's like <laughs> so distant. The world got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> Seems yeah. everything got weird. So Halls of the Blood King won an any, and it's gotten a lot of attention lately. How does that feel? Tell, I'd like to know a little bit about that from the person who wrote it to how it feels to get that kind of acknowledgement for your writing. Well, it's, it's fantastic, especially because I never really was very confident with my adventure writing. You know, uh, here in Brazil, we didn't have uh, a culture of red-made adventures, like pre-made adventures. We didn't have this here because when a game was released here, if you were lucky, we had like the core book translated and maybe maybe the gem screen, maybe one or another supplement before something changed and they didn't translate everything. You know, we never had many books published, even for D&D. Even D&D, we only have just a few supplements. So adventures were something rare and I don't know if it was because we didn't have them, but a culture was created like, oh, you don't need red-made adventures because you as a GM, you have always to create something. If you are a good GM, you create everything. So, And, and I started going through international stuff, like the material, I started learning English and started seeing this culture behind pre-made adventures, right? It's, it creates a culture in a games community everybody shared the experience with a particular adventure and you can play the same adventure like more than more than once to see what happens with different groups so i i started making adventures and and i was invited to make one for old school essentials and and i read a, a lot about osr i oversaw adventure design i always buy books if you follow me on instagram you know like i i I may have a problem with buying too many books. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of stuff and I read a lot of blogs and I, I read a lot of theory. 
not both not not only on game design but even on on writing fiction and and other kind of stuff like making art because i'm a i'm a graphic designer and illustrator too so i i learned everything i could and tried to make an adventure that would uh satisfy me and make something that you could play more than once and have different results explore it in different ways and subverting a team of the vampire and making it alien and strange and, and, and sometimes funny. And I guess people liked it. And, and somehow I, I, I was nominated, which was already like a huge surprise for me because that never happened before. And I was side by side with people that I admire their work, like Ben Milton and, 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 and others there. And, when I saw I was competing with the alien, alien line, the alien RPG line from Free League and, and Ben Milton from Questing Beast, I was sure I was, yeah, yeah, nominated was good enough. I'm not going <laughs> to win this, you know. <laughs> but you did. Yeah, surprisingly, it's beautiful, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful fantastic. book. It's a, it's a beautiful book. It's a great little adventure. Yeah. You, who did the art in, the, in that? Yeah, Justine Jones is, uh, is an artist. She's incredible. Her art is so evocative and, and different. And I'm, I, I have to confess, I'm really disappointed it wasn't uh, nominated for Best Art because I think it's, it's so unique and, and, and different from everything else that's out there. And, and I, I thought it deserved at least a nomination for, for Best Art. But maybe next time. I hope to work with her again and, oh, yeah. and do something. I'll be honest. Like... All of the old school essentials line, the art is, I think it's great. Yeah. And the layout, I think everybody talks about the layout and the design of those books. They're, yeah. they're wonderful. And we've played some old school essentials here with our group. Really enjoyed it. They got just wonderful, wonderful adventures coming out. So that's definitely a place to, uh, like, great place to be able to have your work going on. I think is that old school essentials yeah. line. So that helps. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're fits. So how did you get into the point where you're putting out your own games and, and winning any's and everything else? Like, where does it go from? I'm just playing a game to I'm going to be the person winning the awards and, and who's other people going to play my game. How'd you go there? <laughs> well, I, I never planned to, to win an award. I mean, <laughs> for a while I wanted to send games there. And, and I was looking to win awards, but after talking to other creators and, 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 and just reading about doing creative work, I realized that it, it wasn't about uh, winning awards, but just trying to do the best work I can do, you know, and just trying to, to do some, something cooler and cooler every time I do them. And I think that's, that's the secret, like you adopt this crafts, craftsman mindset. It's something I've been reading now. And you just try to, to be better and better and just trying to do cooler and cooler stuff and challenging you and trying to see other people doing cool stuff that you haven't been able to do and try to do that. Try to, you know, improve yourself. And that's what I've been trying to do. I've, I made my first game in 2016. I haven't stopped it since then. And I'm always working on something. I have like a backlog of stuff to be released like, five or six games that are already written and it's in various process of editing layout art and stuff and i'm keeping doing them and always taking notes of all the ideas i have and 
I think that's it. Just keep working and keeping connecting. Share share your creations with others so you can get feedback, you can get better and be interesting in what you're doing. So your work can be interesting, you know. I think that's it. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've read some books about it. Like the books from Al Sinclair really helped me out to start making games and showing my work and trying to, you know, make it work. Uh, they're called uh, Still Like an Artist. Uh, show your work and keep going. They're basically for, for everyone, especially if you work with creative stuff. And, and it really helped me. I want to ask a little bit. I'm curious about, I've, I've heard people talking about the Brazilian OSR before. And I know, I'm sure that our, our like getting into game experience is probably a little bit different just because of what you told me earlier. Like we had lots of modules available to us when we were younger here in the States, but I never really ran modules. We are, we were very much make your own type of mindset. I'd never ran a pre-written adventure until probably about a decade ago. If that long ago, it was after 2012, maybe 13, 14 was the first time I did. And I've been playing since like the late eighties. Like we were always like, you gotta do your own. You gotta do your own. And it sounds like a lot of that, I, that mindset's there as well. So I'd be curious to know, I've been hearing people talk about the Brazilian OSR and things like that. I, I, could you enlighten me on, on maybe some things that might be a little different than what I've experienced? Or Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. You know, uh, The first game that was actually released in Brazil is called Tagma, which is like a Brazilian RPG that if I could uh, try to explain it to you, it's like D&D mixed with Faza, you know, so you have those tables with colors and you roll a D20, you have a bonus, you, you look at your column. So the better bonus you have, like the better column you roll on. So you have, you do like percentage of damage, like a critical table. And it was really fun. It was the first game I, I RPG played. And I died on the first session. <laughs> oh, we, <no>. <laughs> we burned my character sheets on the, on the building's yard. So we go there, we, we dig oh, it and, and burn the character sheet. It was awesome. A funeral for the character sheet. I love that. <laughs> and after that, like DD was released, like the, the Challenger box of the 90s, 90s. And very, very few adventures. Like we have we had like a Brazilian Dragon magazine for a while. It lasted for I think 13 to 15 issues. We had some adventures there. We had like a, a magazine that was called Dragon Brazil, like but in Portuguese, like Dragon Brazil which ran for like many issues and they had adventures. They were into their own system, their own setting. So we have some, some pre-made adventures here and there, but most of all, people had this culture of if you're a good DM, you create everything. But after like, like the globalization, you know, things started reaching here. We started learning English and this generation that began with everything here and only would like photocopy modules that someone brought from abroad. But then after maybe 2010, 2012, indie publishers opened up here. We were translating some indie games and the OSR became a thing in the US. And by that time, I was just coming back to RPGs and I started a blog called Pontos de Experiência, which is like experience points in Brazil. By the same time, the first OSR game was being released in Brazil. It was a Brazilian game called Old Dragon. You know, it's it's kind of a mixture between the AD and D second edition with 
very simplified third edition and a little bit of BX. And it wasn't a real clone, but a lot of people liked it. I played it quite a lot. And then I started doing my own stuff. And there were start here really started sprung out. Like my blog was uh, a really big thing here in Brazil. A lot of people still refer to it. And other people started doing blogs, podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of smaller systems being released here. I released some of my own games here, but most of the games I, I released in, in the US. And now we're releasing old school essentials in Portuguese. I have a publisher here that would translate that. And most of the, the community is, is very do-it-yourself. Have, we have groups on WhatsApp and, and, and Facebook, and people do a lot of do-yourself DIY stuff. You know, I think it's, it's doing well. It's, it's getting bigger, and people are interested in doing action plays. And I think a lot of them helped me win the, the award, right? Because yeah. I, I shared on the Brazilian RPG groups, saying, hey, guys, we have a Brazilian running from from the Ennis, which is which for us is like the Oscar of RPGs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of communities that posted around and, and I'm pretty sure I won because Brazilians have like a really strong presence on the internet. And if you I mean if you mess with a Brazilian online and they have like a lot of friends and they, and they ask for help, well it's 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 a lot. Like Brazilians Brazilians are, are not very polite on the internet. So hey, when, I, when, I got I, I got I got I got a secret to tell you. No Nobody's polite yeah. on the internet. <laughs> yeah, those Brazilians are notorious for that. You know, I used to play World of Warcraft, but I played on American servers because to play on a Brazilian server is hell. Like they steal your loot, they change oh, no. the loot setup. It's it's terrible. Oh no, they're coming after you to get all your stuff. Take yeah. your Take take your rations and everything else, yeah, your weapons. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I join a game and, and, and they see like a, a character name because usually Brazilians put names that, that sound Brazilian and they even put a BR on the end of the name to know they're Brazilians. So I made a character, I don't know, name it uh Zai or something like a blood elf. And I went to play there and they started like cursing me and calling me names in Portuguese because I was a, a gringo. Which means someone from outside of Brazil. It's, oh, it's no. <laughs> yeah. Be aware oh, no. of of there for Brazilians. Some of them are, are not that nice. <laughs> so your gaming, how how long have you been playing, and how long were you playing before you started? I'm assuming that you always kind of written stuff because you probably were writing your adventures when you were running games oh, too. Yeah. So there's got to be a point where it goes. I'm writing this for my group. To I'm writing this for others. Yeah. So I'm curious how that transition made and how long you've been playing before you made that transition. Yeah. I started playing around 93. Mm-hmm. I was on uh, the fourth grade here. I, I was already playing like fighting fantasy books because oh, yeah. I, I, that was a, this is what, this is a good story. I was studying at a Catholic school in Brazil <laughs> and the teachers decided that we would decide what book would we read for that B Master or something. And we chose the Death Trap Dungeon. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so that's how I, I, I got in contact with fighting fantasy games. I loved them because it was fantasy, it was heroic, and I could choose what I would do. I would play. It's a game. So I started buying all these books. Like I asked my parents because I was a kid. I was nine years old. 
I started collecting fighting fantasy books and my, my parents moved from another neighborhood. And when I got there in this building, there was this older kids that played RPGs and saw me playing a fighting fantasy book. And they, they asked me, well, if you like fighting fantasy books, you should play RPG with us. It's, it's just like that, but you can choose anything. You don't have to follow just the options they, they give you in the book. You, you can say anything, you can do anything. And that sounded fantastic for me. And that's how I played Tagmar and my character died. And I was hooked. I, I started playing anything I could play. I started buying any books I could buy. I, <laughs> I bought my D&D. And I couldn't really understand anything. I thought halflings were like a mixture of, of elves and dwarves. Yeah. So they were awesome. They have the abilities of dwarves and elves at the same time. And they really didn't need that much XP to level up. So they were like the, the best class in the game were, were halflings, you know. <laughs> I, I learned the game. I played, I played GURPS. I played Vampire, second edition, third edition. And by, by like 3.5, I went to college. I stopped playing because I, I was like super focused on art and graphic design. And I started working with that. And I realized that uh, when I was in college, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a children's book author. You know, I have a children's book book published in Brazil and but it's a it's a difficult market especially here in Brazil so I decided to to work on something else and to have like job uh, security and money and do my stuff at my own time so and then I started doing games on 2016 because I got in contact with the OSR in 2012 the Inzi narrative story games community I started the blog and I saw a lot of this do-it-yourself attitude, the zen culture, and the, the black hack, white hack, and games that were being published under six, four pages and could do a lot. So I, I said, well, these people are making games on their, on their basement, so I can try making one too, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. And, and, and I never look it back. I mean... Gary Gygax was making his game in basements yeah. too. That's where it came from. I think that that yeah. DIY element of these games, you look at yeah. the, the original box that came out with the white box that they, they had, they were just little zines. Yeah. And, not... and the culture of, of indie game and like this, this uh, offbeat stuff that, that stuff that isn't like corporate games, like corporate fantasy, they're not standardized because, you know, D&D now, although it's great, like there is a lot of players, it's being as popular as it's ever been. It's like a pasteurized uh, product. It's like it's fantasy that everybody can consume. Uh, it's easy to, to digest, you know. And, and although it's great to attract new players, I wanted something more personal. And these indie games, they're OSR and the do-it-yourself attitude has people from all over the, the world all different personalities and histories making games, doing their own interpretations of what is fantasy, what is sci-fi, what's horror, what's cyberpunk. It's, and it's so fascinating and so creative that, that I love it. And, and, and I, I don't think I'll ever look back to, to like mainstream games because they, they seem all alike to me. I, oh, 100%. I really like, whatever is going on in indie role-playing scenes and the OSR and what people are calling NSR and everything. Now I love the oh, yeah. DIY attitude. I love that 
it's the community, people within the communities having the liberty to introduce what they have to offer to the world, show their creativity instead of having to wait for just one company to decide what is oh, yeah. going to come out. I like that. That's big appeal to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and they have like the, the third party, uh, third party license. We produce stuff for each other. We collaborate. We, we can make crossovers, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it really makes you feel like part of something greater and, and, and something that's, that's more free. I and mean, it's not like it's more open, you know, open to different things, open to different experiences. Yeah. I, I like it. Seemed, I, in my mind, from what I'm seeing happening is far more collaborative than it is competitive. And I feel that, you know, a lot of times in different industries, these big companies are competing to outdo each other. Whereas we've got communities working together and doing stuff with each other, for each other, creators kind of collab. Yeah. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. That makes, that makes it great for me. Huge yeah. attraction. It's, it's a social game and, and now producing the game, it's, it's a social thing too. So and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's fun. Yeah. It's a cooperative game too. Like yeah. it's unlike um, many sports and things like that, we're working together to make this, adventure happen i think even the dm is cooperating with the players to create all this it's not a yeah yeah, we're not fighting against each other we're you know fighting against something imagined a monster that came from somewhere we're just playing to see what the hell is going to happen because all this crazy stuff it's happening and and, and you throw like a bunch of players and just well let's see how how it plays out let's see what they come up with see what the dm comes up with and in turn how they it's a it's a it's so back and forth, yeah. Yeah, it's, I like a lot of people spend a lot of, like TV is like probably the number one form of entertainment, I would say, on the planet, television. Yeah. Most people plop down and look at the TV. I'd much rather be in control of my entertainment and creating my entertainment and have it entertainment that where I'm, I'm with somebody yeah. else, yeah. building relationships, spending time it, with them, it, it's, fun with it's them. like an active entertainment. It's not like passive. You just don't stand there and just consume whatever people are feeding you. You are there. You are active, actively consuming this, this entertainment. You're creating something. You're building something for friends and sharing memories. And, and it's, it's a lot better for even for your health, I would say. Oh, like, yeah, I, I, agree. I always tell my wife, we have like a, a small kid, like a six-year-old kid and i always say like for me rpgs it's it's one of the healthiest hobbies we, we can impart on our kid because he will he will develop creativity he will develop problem solving he will develop social skills he will even develop math math skills he will learn new language because we speak portuguese and if he's interested he will learn english that's how i, I learned in english the first game i bought in english was vampire the dark ages oh yeah and I would, I would carry it to, to my English course and I would just show it to my teacher. Okay, what's this word? What's this <laughs> word? What's this word? And she said to me, okay, the first thing you have to do, you don't have to use like a English to Portuguese dictionary, just buy an English dictionary. So you will learn what each word means and not try to translate everything. And that's really changed how I learned in English and, and, and really helped me a lot. That vampire, the dark ages... I've I've never played it, but that's always been the one vampire game I've wanted to play the most and I haven't had a chance to. I just it seems cool. <laughs> I, I like World of Darkness concept a lot, but I never had a really good gaming experience with it because it's horror 
but you you build characters like you're building like maybe combos and all my players always played like gothic x-men uh just doing shit on the city and, and just, oh yeah yeah that's it and i can like <laughs> x-men with but they are vampires you know <laughs> I, like we, we i think i think it may have been 93 or 94 i was, was too young when time. i played so i was a teenager <laughs> so maybe i should have waited years to play this <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was a teenager when i first played it was 93 or 94 i want to say it was and and we played vampire a little bit uh, our group didn't get into it but then a few years later it seemed to be getting more and more popular people were doing live action vampire and a lot of the other world of darkness games were coming out so i played a few of the different ones throughout the 90s I think I've mentioned before, one of my, my good friends who I played with back in the day, he was really into Changeling. And, and so the, like there was quite a few of those, but we played a lot of different role-playing games in the 90s. D&D, I'd say, was not the one we played the most at all. It sounds like you went through quite a gamut of different games in the yeah, 90s. Well, you're yeah. mentioning GURPS and everything else. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about some of the other games you were playing back in the day that we were getting into. Well, in the in the nineties, I think I played D and D Second Edition, right? I mm -hmm. played a lot of it on on, on school, like on the recess. Yeah, just sit around and play like half an hour or something. <laughs> That's great. And, and then we'd play a lot of Vampire. We played Hunters Hunted, you know, like because. If, if they were like uh, gothic X-Men, okay, let's play mortals so that we more horror and they would like put resource five, fire armors five, and dexterity five, and they just blow shit up. <laughs> and, and then I said, okay, do you, you want to blow shit up? Let's just play like a dungeon crawl or something because this is what's supposed to be horror and investigation and politics. You just want to kick the door open so let's play something that you can do that yeah <laughs> we played we played paranoia we played gurps what else we, ha we had here in the nights too we had like two like the oh the I yeah i remember too. rpg i love I it that, that was i hacked the hell out of that game like everything i would make i would make with tomb i had a buddy who ran D, &D second edition a lot and he would always use stuff he took from tune in that campaign <laughs> so we'd have like yeah all the acme weird fun like holes in walls and stuff <laughs> portable holes oh, yeah that's tune. that's yeah that's perfect uh magic items yeah <laughs> what else uh i think we played we played cyberpunk oh, yeah. uh 2020 shadow run and oh we, ha we had a game here called tokyo defenders which is like a really simple system that you can play with beginners that was meant to be like a joke uh, towards like anime and like Senkai oh, programs yeah. like Power Rangers and stuff. I've, what and was that called? Was Tokyo Defenders. Okay. Yeah, that's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's a Brazilian game. Oh. We call here Defensores de Tokyo. And we had even, even uh, advanced Tokyo Defenders. So oh. A, D, and T. You know, <laughs> That's great. Service to Tokyo. And I, I played uh, Sensei with that. We re I really like it, Sensei and Dragon Ball. We, we, we made homemade Dragon Ball RPGs, like a lot of them, because Dragon Ball was, was huge, right? We had the first Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, 
and and we made a lot of games of Dragon Ball too. But I started playing a lot more stuff like in the in the 2010s and 12. After I came back from 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 not playing, like I played story games, I played Fates, I played Fiasco, oh, yeah. I played Dungeon World, I played OSR, I played D&D for edition. I tried to play like for a full year because. Uh, after I went to college uh, and then I got a job, I started making real money for the first time. And I said, okay, let's see how DD is doing. And I bought <laughs> like tons of DD for edition books and I started reading them. And, and reading them, they seemed really cool, really well designed. But once I started playing them, they wasn't really at all what I remembered DD to be. And then I discovered the OSR and all and story games and I started exploring that side of, of the indie community and, and found in love with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's so much, there's been so much good stuff going on through the OSR and the indie community in interesting, great ways. And, and, and one of the brilliant parts is that everybody can throw their own things in there and add like, Hey, we always had house rules growing up and we always made up some of the rules. We weren't playing it exactly. And now we've got a chance. Everybody seems to be putting those together. And said, this is how we play the game. <laughs> you can put it out yeah. there, all those variations and ideas. And it's a huge, great big, what's the word I'm looking for? Like toolbox that we can just grab tons of stuff from that we're creating that, that is being created throughout the community from all these different contributors. And that, that makes me thrilled. That's the kind of gaming I like. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah, that's that's the stuff I like because for me, I, I always say like every every GM is a game designer, and and games are mostly like like Lego kits. You know, you buy these Lego kits of now I'm making like a stone and sorcery game, so it's like a, a box of Legos and all, all different parts, and you, and you have the the picture and the structures for you to to build it just like the box, but you can take it apart and 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 just have a blast with it. And one of the things is that people that are playing, there's a high likelihood that they're creative people. Creative people tend to get into that because they're creating. It's a it's a game that you're creating. Yeah. So we got some pretty good creative people in the community. Oh yeah. <laughs> With a lot to offer. Now uh, we're coming close to time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find you online, where they can pick up some of your stuff? Oh yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Diogo underline old school. Like it's old school, but instead of the, the school where you go to, to learn stuff, skull, what is inside of your head, like your 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 head bones. Your you know? noggin. So <laughs> yeah. So Diogo underline old school for both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on Facebook I'm just Diogo Nogueira. Or, or you can look for old school publishing. We have a website too that's like old school underline publishing.com and we have a, a subreddit r slash old scope publishing where i post uh previews and, and game drafts and i'm really excited about reddit because it's it's a place you can organize it by topics you can post videos photos and everything there it's easy to find and it's easy for people to comment and to contribute so uh, i'm focused a lot of on, on the reddit community and i'm really most active on twitter because it's where most of other authors and creators are there and we can exchange a lot of ideas. So those are my, my main places. And we'll make sure we put some links in the show notes. So if you're listening and you want to find the Reddit or the website or anything like that, we'll have some links down there so you can get a hold of them. I want to thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, 
please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. And those of you that have, thank you so much. That's so helpful. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hill Crom. We're on Patreon. It takes a little time and money out of our own pockets. So if you can help support this, we'd be really appreciative. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And keep those dice rolling. <laughs>